Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show. The Twist. Welcome to the Twist News. I'm Erica Gray. I'm Don Pravda. We're heading to the event in Paris now. And we're going to be taking a cab from Grand Central to Kennedy Airport. We're really excited about this event. How about that? Do any of you envy us? Paris. Yes. In springtime. Paris. And we're going to be with diplomats. And we're going to have lots of questions, and we're going to be filming while we're there. But Don, you had an interesting event this week at a synagogue. You want to talk about it? And you listen to Alan Dershowitz. We heard at great length from Professor Alan Dershowitz of Harvard Law School. He had a, a, a lot to tell us. And some of it, in fact, is very eclectic, but he's also let us know that his opinion that he's a man around 80 years old now and and he's uh, experienced a lot in life he feels the system in America is systematically anti-semitic and he has endured and grown through this system of course he's achieved and done very well with his life as a professor and lawyer and as an author and he has expressed certain views, including that which is Jeff- Jeffersonian, and that if one side is against it and the other side is for the issue, he said, let the other side fix it. The other matter is, and, and we're relating to the big event, the big demonstrations, rather, in Israel, yes. is that he explained the Constitution of the United States and its changes. We had a president named Andrew Jackson. He believed that judges and prosecutors should be elected in Israel, which is a new nation. It's very simple. They have a different system. And the government appoints prosecutors and judges and ultimately Supreme Court judges, which is not different than the United States of America. And therefore, the, the West does not understand Israel, and like, likely what many do believe, and it is true, he feels that the demonstrations, the massive demonstrations, are politically activated. It's a political matter. And he reminds us, Erica, that Israel is truly a great democracy and proof of it is the demonstrations were peaceful people were not sent to prison by demonstrating their beliefs and finally let's go it's it's like amazing nobody was killed nobody was assassinated that was a really good point Don. Yeah. is his view about 
how the demonstrations show that Israel is a democracy. But the nations are so quick to point a finger to say something bad about Israel that they don't yeah. say about other nations, but of course they pin this kind of nonsense on Israel. I mean, do you see that contradiction with other demonstrations? I mean, are they talking about the protests now in, in Paris? Right. And does that mean that... Thousands are protesting. The retirement age is being raised by Mr. Macron. And there's a lot of anger right now in Paris where we are going. I hope people are not being arrested or killed. I do not know. I doubt that it's happening, but it might be. But I realize the demonstrations are also over a law that they feel would be undemocratic. But I think what the nations are doing is making the fact that the protests are happening to begin with, making it almost seem as if Israel is unstable. Well, it is, it is not unstable. It's a very stable nation. And by the way, the... Stable nation? It's eighth it's, most it's, powerful nation in the world right now. It's rocking with a re remarkable economy. Little Israel is little strong. Israel, it the is size, a little giant. Little Israel, the size of Vermont, which many people cannot even fathom, surrounded by uh, Arab countries, by the way. It's not in ah, the Midwest. <laughs> it's not in New England. The camera has a mind of its own. It's all of a sudden uh, doing what it wants. Take a so look, sorry. but Israel is in the Middle East. You might have heard of nations like Jordan, Egypt, Syria. They're surrounding little Israel. And they are strong, and they have a different system of government. They have a different system in the judicial. But it needs to be make some minor changes. And you know what what makes a democracy what it is? It's called compromise. And that's my basic political science course when I was a freshman in college. Compromise. And compromise works. And it's what a lot of people do not want is to compromise. It's either their way or the highway. We see that in U.S. foreign policy, don't we? Our way right. or the highway. Right. And we're in a time where the parties are much more polarized at this time. During this era, uh, politics is very hot. The, the parties are divided. I thought there was a glowing time when I was a young man when Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States. Well, I'd say about 45% were not happy about that, but there was a Speaker of the House, his name was Tip O'Neill. When I walked through the hall, I had a look up, he was about six foot five. He was a Massachusetts Democrat, and he understood compromise, and he knew he's going to have to work with Ronald Reagan, and he's going to have to work with Dick Cheney, and in that first term of Reagan, who said a lot got done? Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House. Yeah, but we don't see that compromise. We don't really see We're compromise. Seeing it, seeing it a lot less. Less. There's a real contention but, between the Democrats and the Republicans. And now, and 
now that we're at midterm with uh, about two years away for the national elections, it'll probably get a, a little fiercer and of course politicians are very wary about public relations as well. You know, Don, I wonder the way we're doing a train talk, wouldn't that be kind of cool if we do a plane talk? That would be great. Sure be the plane. I hope uh, nobody would think that we're hijackers of this plane. Or <laughs> we can do a plane talk. This isn't a gun, this is a microphone, Erica. Yes, no guns. Yes, we can, we no can guns do, in the plane. We can do a plane talk. Right, okay. Plane talks. Train talks. And we respect democracies, including one that we're going to, France. France yes. taught us a great deal about democracy. Right. And, uh, but it's part of the European Union. Very strong okay. member. Very strong right. EU member. So part is. of the French-German axis. We see the French as being serious movers in EU politics. Serious players. And you're going to see that, Don. You're going to see the EU flag, the commemoration to Jean Monnet in Paris. I believe we could even go see the Jean Monnet house. Well, so you does, does he want us in his house? <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't call the police. Uh, We're Americans. We'll have to go to the embassy. We bailed out. So it's going to be very interesting. We'll see the French presidential palace. Uh, of course. It's, a, it's Europe. It's a old, old nations. America's a new nation, and we're still in the midst of this great experiment called democracy in the United States of America. Yes, and it is an experiment. It is an experiment. And it's ebbing and flowing and right. not always necessarily totally democratic. But we're also going to be at the Berlin Mott and we'll be filming from the Berlin Mott. And, and that's the headquarters in Brussels, in Brussels. And we're going to be at the EU Parliament in Strasbourg. Exciting. Yeah, and we'll go to the Hemicycle. I've been to the Hemicycle. It's pretty large. Strasbourg, with its influences of France, of course, it is part of France, but the German influences from the past. Well, the French wanted it in the treaty at the time that Strasbourg would be the seat of the EU Parliament, but there's a, a big tiff over the parliamentarian there's also a parliament in brussels where they meet but then they they have to take all their belongings and go to strasbourg once a month and they're not happy about it so there's talk of the seat being out of strasbourg and in brussels because it would be easier for brussels but the french won't have it it's it's enshrined in the treaty and there was a several years, many years ago, Don, there was this within the European Union as it was forming and as it was adding different amendments and clauses through the different treaties. There was the buildings, there was this fight for the headquarters. You know, where would the parliament be? Where would the commission be? Where would the, you know, the different, there's different buildings and different, uh, and everybody wanted it to be in there. You know, European Central Bank, I remember when that was formed, there was a little bit of a thing over where is the European Central Bank gonna be in the countries. So the countries actually 
want one of these buildings. And of course, Brussels, I mean, you read the, 100, the, the list of 100, you know about the 100 list, right? Well, the 100 list is your movers and shakers in EU's affairs, their books. And many of those from the 100 are from Brussels, from Belgium, several of them, at least. So, great influence, great, great names in those books. We're talking about Simone Weil. Yes, and I've been honored. I've met Gisela Hofstad, who's in the book, and I've Charles interviewed. Is one of the Actually, I, I questioned Verhofstadt, so I got to yeah. ask him a bona fide question as a journalist, but I really got to question Andrew Dove. And he's in it, and he's the European Union's constitutional specialist. He is a leading federalist was president of the European movement, and I, I mean, sorry, president of the European Union, I'm sorry, the Federalist Union, Union of European Federalists, there, sorry, that was a mouthful, and they have so many of these things going on that it gets confusing, so I was very honored to actually get to question two members that are in that list. It's an impressive, and you're right. Charles de Gaulle in there. And and of course, uh, Simone. Yeah, we were talking about yes. Simone Bay when the yes, a Jewish great writers, a great female writers uh, in the history of, of France. And she's really, really celebrated as well. But she Absolutely. was in the EU Parliament and president, right. female president and Jewish. I mean, that's pretty noteworthy. Remarkable life. And uh, in her so book about the European community or the European Union was commemorated in the list of 100. So that's really a hall of fame. Absolutely. One name after another. And the influence of writers is real. Mm -hmm. It's a country that reads books over the centuries. Victor Hugo on the list, yes. by the way. You might have heard of him. <laughs> Victor Hugo, in fact, his heritage extends to many other nations. Uh, the French Protestant movement that came to the, that filtered out to other nations, including England, America. And there are people in this country who still call themselves Huguenots. Uh, Interesting, Don. That's what I love about you. You have wonderful historical facts that I do not. Okay. <laughs> Including a so you, lovely lady from uh, Grand Connecticut this time, uh, Joanne Woodward speaks about that. Mm -hmm. And when we are in Paris, we're going to go and check out the Jewish Quarter, and we're going to check oh. it out in Florence and in Rome. And you want to check out at the Vatican, in a part of the Vatican, where they have certain, to see if they have certain Jewish Well, they'll be, writings. have to be allowed into private libraries, so that might be difficult, probably with reservations. But I know it's there, including rare editions of the Talmud are in the Vatican. There's no other way of saying it. It exists. And, the Vatican has 
It's estimated the largest library in the world. Is that accurate? I know there's a lot of treasures yeah. in that Vatican. It's it's got to be in the trillions. Got to be in the trillions of dollars. I'm sure. And they have emptied out. It's interesting. It's a very interesting place, and we will be doing a show from the Vatican. Exciting. And we'll keep you informed. Because world news, you, you really have an understanding as you go to these places and you see the influence. And everything's still there. So is there anything else, Don, you would like to say about Alan Dershowitz's? There was something else you had told me about Alan, Alan Dur Dershowitz made a strong remark that he feels there's been a very destructive element to the reform branch of Judaism. Uh, it seems that there's regularly defending the enemies of Israel and not Jewish Israel. They seem deflecting upon, they don't seem to understand its urgency, the times we're living in, and they're taking an extreme leftist position in politics towards Israel. And he's alarmed about the level of propaganda there is a certain synagogue you mentioned, I'd rather not name it, but they led an entire Sabbath service in honor of the BDS movement, and that is surely not our views on this show, and I find that rather uh, tragic, but Mr. Dershowitz expressed it. He is a fellow who is rooted in Brooklyn, Brooklyn synagogues of his time, which were generally uh, orthodox, and he is from the Brooklyn College and then later Harvard, and he did, is not really uh, affiliated with mm -hmm. that movement. However, he's been a lecturer there over the years, and he is he's a prolific author. He's not a stranger there, but he's very concerned about their level of leftism at this time. Interesting. So he's citing as a major issue now for Israel is coming from within. Yes, that's right. And where the leftists want to pull Israel. And where exactly, what's their vision for Israel? I, I don't think there is a vision. I think there's an, an attitude that we have to make peace no matter at what cost. And if it's a two-state solution or territory is ceded to the Arab world, of course not everybody is the same in that movement. There's a difference of opinion, but it's become very, very leftist and in quoting a Mr. Netanyahu from the past, an effort to achieve peace can become a tactic where it is not peaceful. It's simply a tactic in negotiations. Which does not secure security for the tiny state of Israel. So peace at any cost is right. what they want. Is it? Is it because they really are kind of bunny huggers, where they really just want peace, and it's that very leftist liberal attitude, or is it more of a victim? Well, there, mode? there are people. Is it victim mode? No, I think there's people who believe that. Give back land, give back, go back to pre-67 uh, times. This will achieve peace, which is 
which would be, a, I mean, it's, it's almost a critical, it's, it's a tiny, can't give back land that has been achieved after the 67 war, after Arab nations won to destroy Israel and did not succeed. We don't believe in giving it back. In addition, uh, land, land for peace. The other matter is settlements. This kind of a mantra. No more settlements. Can't yeah, build but we settlements. Have a solution, Don't live Don. in settlements. Don, we came up with a solution. I came up with yes. a solution. Please. But we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. I'll be next time. Secret. We're going to tell at some point we'll reveal the solution. My feeling is if such people want to have settlements, if that is their choice, let them have it. I don't see what is so critically terrible about achieving their goals and living their lifestyle at great, great expense to luxuries. It's not glamorous to live in a settlement. It's just people who want to, to live in their own way and they may have their own community and rabbis and thoughts. Let them have it. And that is not the thought process of the left. Close the settlements. Don't expand any. And that, according to them, will achieve please. That is not my thought process. Right. Interesting. And it's got to be a real issue just within the nation to have these conflicting, definitely conflicting views. But we've come up with an idea and we'll discuss it at some point. Not on this train talk. We've got some ideas. We're going to share it. Absolutely. In our busy train heading to Manhattan on the during rush hour, you know, give us some applause. We're doing this show during rush hour, <laughs> heading into Manhattan. That takes guts, Erica. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Well, that's something we have. We have guts. We have guts, definitely. Definitely. You have to have guts when you take on popular positions. That's right. That's right. So anyway, folks, that's it for today's train talk. And stay tuned as we are going to be recording as probably next we'll be at the airport and you'll hear from us again. And we're going to be recording while we are doing this trip, giving you our impressions. Hopefully... I will get some interesting interviews while we are at the event. And meanwhile, if you don't subscribe to The Twist News, subscribe and check out our Amazon store. And stay tuned for more Down Final Words. Shalom, shalom, shalom. See you in Paris.
Tune in next time for more from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.